Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 2-in-1 Golf Podcast. Sterling, Madison, and Mike here. Just wrapped up the RBC Heritage. Your winner is Matt Fitzpatrick. Madison, any initial thoughts? Um, uh, not really. I actually thought that finished pretty well. Uh, the, the playoff between Jordan Spieth and Matt Fitzpatrick. Kind of just a pillow fight at first. No one wanted to make a putt, but um, as soon as he won, I sent Sterling um the title of one of our our podcasts after matt fitzpatrick uh his last win right uh was the u.s open and uh it was yes, he was a fan of matt fitzpatrick so um congrats to him it was it was definitely a um, a, a good finish but overall good week um some big names in the field despite going back to back after the masters john rom was there and um are, are you surprised that Matt Fitzpatrick won more money than John Rahm? That's, yeah, I've, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around the fact that, uh, you know, these designated events are paying more than the majors. And I guess that just means that, you know, can you put a price on prestige? Maybe, maybe not, but definitely Matt, uh, you know, had a great, great payday played phenomenally well coming down the stretch super impressed by that i mean i was almost writing him off at one point thought it was almost looking like a two-horse race between spieth and cantlay but fitzpatrick was just in there and not you know just absolutely unrelenting and uh you know kind of hated to see spieth miss two putts like that in the playoff hit the edge twice and didn't fall in but uh you know that that approach shot by fitzpatrick on the third playoff all that was just uh you know i was really hoping i was really hoping for the walk-off that would have been you know just next level but uh very deserving champion glad to see him you know glad to see him make that happen do you feel like it almost kind of validates the uh the u.s open win that now now he's got two pga tour wins in addition to all his wins on that other tour as uh, zinger calls it yeah i do um i mean i think if it was any other event other than a, a designated event maybe not so much but of course you're talking about the firepower with a designated event obviously you have the master champion uh in the field so i do think it it gives him a little more credit i know sterling is is probably going to say the otherwise because it's just one one more win since a u.s open win last year but um, yeah, I think following up with a designated designated event win is, is pretty good. But what do you want to say, Sterling? I know you're just just waiting. No, I mean you got to give him credit. Like he you want a PGA Tour event, a designated event. Um, all I said was like, who is a fan of Matthew Fitzpatrick? Like I don't care how many PGA Tour wins he has, but like I didn't get a chance to watch yesterday. But, like, were there a lot of people out there rooting for Matthew Fitzpatrick? No. I mean, hey, they... <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you see that head cover on his driver? He's practically a hometown boy there. You know, been vacationing there with his family for years. Had talked about the fact that other than a major, this is, you know, the one PGA Tour event that he really wanted to win. I mean, I think there was a lot of, you know, a lot of positive vibes coming his way, to be honest. Sure, but again, like, was there anyone out there rooting for him? 
<laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure there there were people out there rooting for him. I will I will say besides besides Danny Rapp, I will say that there was um I think it was the playoff the second first or second playoff hole. They were both um in on the green and he had just missed a putt and they started breaking out the USA chance um and Jordan had to quiet the crowd down a little bit but um yeah, I'm sure there's there's some other people other than Danny Rapp cheering for him i think the whole northwestern alumni association was behind him you know just a thousand percent um you know the pride of evanston yeah i mean how do you not how do you not love fitzpatrick come on yeah just out there slinging it in in the sketchers and everything just um yeah i don't know there's something about him where (laughs) you walk past him on the street and like he might bump into you or something you're just like i don't i don't like this guy you know some people bump into you you're like oh like you're good don't worry he bumps into you and it's just like i don't i don't, I don't get that vibe from him i i feel like he's the type of person you could you could see out and he'd just be super down to earth and be like oh yeah you want to take a photo can't do the british accent but you want to take a photo with me or you know just i think he would be just very chill i mean look at his um, Do you think you recognize Matthew Fitzpatrick? Yeah, of course. You would. You don't think you'd be out and I run into man. someone and be like, "Oh, I wonder if that's Matt Fitzpatrick or not." Yeah, of course. He's got a very just. Dis- if he's wearing Skechers, well, if he's wearing Skechers, not, then I think I've got him. But if he's not wearing Skechers, I, that's a good question. He's got it. If you he, put Fitzpatrick in the lineup, no, like you're just walking through the airport, a busy airport, like Atlanta or something, right? Mm-hmm. And you see this kid, sorry, you see Matthew Fitzpatrick, you know, with a suitcase and like a sketcher's hat. I don't think you recognize him. <laughs> Why does he have to be wearing a sketcher's hat? Um, no, I mean, I think if you're... Wa- May, all right, I'll say this. If he's wearing the Grayson joggers, I might recognize okay, him. Okay, so here's here's a question for you. If I can pick out Justin Thomas's father in the crowd at the President's Cup. You don't think I could pick out Matt Fitzpatrick at an airport walking right by him? Correct. I don't think wow. you can. All right. Well, Love guess it. we'll never know. I don't. JT's dad's like tall. No, he's not. He's <laughs> as tall as you are. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think he's taller than that. You think? Right, do you think he's taller than Matt Fitzpatrick? I don't know how tall Matt Fitzpatrick is, so that's not really saying a lot. That's not an argument I can win because I I have nothing to. He's probably five eight. Okay, he. I'd say he's five eight. In the in the he might be five eight in the program. He did. I don't know if he's five eight in real life. He did. He puts the uh, the sketcher shape ups on. I don't know. Oh, then he's five. Yeah, it did seem like it was either the camera angle or he is just a lot shorter. But it did seem like he was a decent amount shorter than than Jordan Spieth when they. You know, or shaking hands after the playoff. I don't know. I'm not sure, but um, oh. all right. Google says Fitzpatrick is five ten. I don't believe that. <laughs> is that a wick? Is that a Wikipedia no entry? Because you know, yeah, I think that's you know Wikipedia. He can fill that yeah. in himself. <laughs> I, I know he can. Just a quick donation. Did you guys see he had his girlfriend out there at the Masters? She was mm-hmm. there this past week too. How long have they been dating? Anyone know? No. Not that not, long. He won the really US concerned. Open and she wasn't there. Yeah. 
I don't know. Not super concerned. I was thinking like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'd date Matthew Fitzpatrick to go to the Masters and you know caddy in the par three contest. Just go. to caddy in the par three contest. Yeah. Interesting. All right, we gotta talk about this though. He misses like last four cuts. Yeah, and that's why. That's I a didn't surprising. Think that's why he was gonna I play think, well. Well, he had a top ten. At, he had a top ten at the Masters, but before then, like, just miscut, miscut, miscut. So I guess the neck is feeling better. Wasn't mm-hmm. that? I guess so. His girlfriend must have given him a massage or something. I don't know. Is that what it was? Could be. Maybe. Who was that football player that was going to massages? Football player. Are you talking about football team owner Robert Kraft? Is it, no, I, th- I thought there was a player recently going <laughs> no, to. I don't know. I remember Robert Kraft. <laughs> Robert, yeah, Robert Kraft definitely got himself in trouble with uh, massages. We're gonna have to massages change. We're gonna have to change the rating on this episode because of you, Sterling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're good. We haven't. We don't have any uh, curse words yet. Just give me time. Yeah. It's usually Mike that drops a couple. It's, in there. it's usually me. Yeah, so uh, Rory McIlroy, no show this week. Talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, Mike, you weren't here last week. Uh, what's, your, what's your take on Rory missing the RBC Heritage this week? It's Honestly, it's, it's super concerning to me given the stance that he took in full swing and really calling um, a lot of his compatriots out calling them soft saying that you know we've gotten soft we should be able to do this we should be able to play in all these designated events Uh, with him not showing this week I mean he takes he takes his place in the game very seriously you know he definitely doesn't want to lose the locker room anything like that so I'm honestly I'm pretty afraid that whatever has kept him you know kept him away from the tournament and it kept him out of the media making any kind of a statement it's got to be something pretty serious so i mean i hope i'm wrong definitely hope that uh maybe he's just a little fried or whatever but yeah i i don't think that he would have done something like this lightly yeah i agree i i think it's got to be something much much bigger for him to miss this week obviously missing out on the money not that the money is technically in the bank yet because um, it goes to this coming year's PIP fund, right? So technically, I believe technically so, the, yeah. the money hasn't been cashed, so it's not like it was in his in his bank account yet. Um, but for him to just miss this week and be completely radio silence, I think that's that's a sign that there's something else going on. Um, and I, I'm trying to when would be the next time we would see Rory. I heard the Wells Fargo. I know which would be May Mother's Day. Yeah. So I mean, that's it's definitely some time off because they have the um, the team event this week. So yeah, I gotta assume it's something something pretty serious. My guess would be it's just mental exhaustion. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, he's struggling with the game. That's that's true putting putting so much pressure on yourself to, to complete the gr- the career grand slam i mean there's got to be something said for that but you know as we've talked about for the last however long ever since live kind of came to be being the spokesperson for the pga tour kind of having to weather that storm and shoulder that burden has got to take a toll on you at some point too so is this just 
it's you know he's been leaking oil for a while and you know finally it's the holes burst open but i don't know it's it's definitely not a good look yeah i mean it wouldn't surprise me at all if just the weight of everything that he's been carrying around for the last what year year and a half has finally gotten to him and when he started playing professional golf i don't think he thought he was signing up for being the shadow commissioner the head of pga tour comms the you know frequently number one ranked player in the world winning the fedex cup and having to do all of that at once it's it's a lot for anyone you know even him to try to uh to shoulder that burden and yeah i mean at some point something's got to give i'm over here thinking um i don't know this isn't the first time like he's missed the cut at the masters it's not the first time he's i think he did sign up to be the spokesperson uh about a year and a half ago um i i think it's something like like madison said just like mental fatigue something kind of soft where if he came out and said it like a lot of people have an issue with it um uh, if it was something serious i think he would have came out and said it that way people would be like okay yeah, i get it i understand um but now a question that i have right if it's not rory mackerel let's say it's like a justin rose not going to finish inside the top 20 in the pip misses two designated events does he just have to pay the pga tour three million dollars like how does that work yeah i'm not sure about that i think that's part of this fluid plan that they have going on i haven't heard if that's if they're if they're fined um in any way shape or form for for missing them i've got to assume they're there's some sort of repercussions for not hitting or not fulfilling um, the amount of tournaments that you've signed up for. And it's, it's the same thing for, for live too. I don't know what their, I don't know what their fine or their fee is. Maybe you lose an arm or a finger. I'm not really sure, but at least on the PGA tour, I'm sure it's a financial, um, a financial payment or something. I, I don't know. So, it looks like he's actually forfeiting out of last year's PIP. So perhaps the PIP is paid out over time and he's foregoing $3 million of it. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the way they structured the PIP payout is that, you know, once you play in all the designated events, then we'll pay you out or maybe we'll pay you out a portion up front and a portion after, uh, after all the designated events are complete and you've met your commitment as far as that goes. And as far as live goes, I heard on another podcast and they weren't citing any sources, but they said they'd heard that uh, guys who were playing on live, who had family situations going on at home and were trying to get out of playing out of an event were not allowed, just not allowed to miss, which is, just absolutely mind-boggling but uh you know when you sign that contract you you know you've made a legal binding agreement yeah very expensive agreement too not one that's easy to get out of yeah (laughs) two to uh four times payout yeah yeah Yeah, and i I don't know i mean it's definitely something that's going to have to come out they're they're going to have to whether it's the truth kind of like what you said sterling maybe it's something that you know, 
the PJ Tour definitely doesn't want to make it seem. I mean, everyone's kind of saying it, but they don't want to make it seem like they've been asking Rory to take this on. And I'm sure it's been a little bit of both. I'm sure they they were looking for someone. Maybe he he decided to be the one to step up. But um, there there's gonna have to be something that comes out that says this is why I missed. This is why I didn't play. I mean, obviously. The, the articles are out there that he's giving up $3 million. People are going to ask questions. Why? Because $3 million, especially if it is in the bank. Now, Roy McIlroy's got a decent amount in there, but $3 million giving up just to miss a week. There's got to be, there's got to be a pretty, pretty big reason. So I'm sure we'll, we'll hear something in, in the coming weeks, but. Yeah, I think he'll definitely, I'm sure he'll be making a statement at some point. And again, I feel like, you know, yeah, he can certainly forego the money. That's that's not a big deal. But, you know, I think he is very concerned with, you know, with being a leader and after having made some pretty public statements. Again, that's why I feel like there's got to be something pretty significant because he could have very easily showed up, not played any practice rounds, um, you know, just kind of, you know, just kind of halfway it through the uh, through the pro am, shoot a couple seventy fours, and hop on the PJ back to to Jupiter, and you know, nobody's saying anything other than oh, maybe Rory's in a little bit of a slump. I mean, he could have totally. And done I, that. It, to that point, I, I mean, I wonder, couldn't he have just showed up, gone through the practice rounds, and then maybe been like, mm, you know, I got a I got a WD this week, I got a neck injury, or something right oh, I was working out this morning heard something pop got to get it checked out I got to assume that that would maybe allow you to miss or at least you know uh there wouldn't be as much pressure but I mean he could have easily done that as well yeah. I don't know I think just just pulling out not making a statement not saying anything it's definitely going to be a question that that the reporters ask him the next time that he tees it up oh I'm sure and especially compare and contrast here you've got john rom who easily could have skipped this week gotten away with it nobody would have thought anything of it whatsoever and you know he shows up for the fans he shows up for the kids who were excited about seeing john rom play and you know played pretty darn well considering he won the masters last week and then oh by the way yeah, let's let's do forty five minutes of analysis up in the booth and absolutely killed it. Yeah, I mean he he's just in love with the game right now. I think it's that simple. Like Rory hates the game. John Rom's in love. Yeah, I think he said he was quoted yeah. as saying he's addicted to it right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what was amazing. You love to see that. I just every time you see this kind of thing, I just like Rom a little bit more even after this you know and it it almost kind of makes his blow-ups and you know when when the temper flares it even makes that a little bit more endearing it's like you know you then you identify with that like yeah i'm addicted to the game too and you know when i do something stupid i freak out too so yeah i get this guy speaking of something uh i don't get or you get i don't know patrick cantley I uh, just can't seem to stay out of his own way. Makes a hole in one on Thursday. Tweets about 
Instagram, whatever. Oh yeah, like a hole in one, like trying to play faster. And then this weekend, all I all I honestly heard more about Patrick Kelly than I did Matthew Fitzpatrick, which shouldn't be a surprise because you know who's a fan. But uh, I, can you guys explain to me what happened with Patrick Cantley? In, in overall, or just the one grievous, grievous incident? Uh, let me hear about the incident. So, what was it? The fourteenth hole, where you've got the uh, the par three with the water on the right, and everybody bails left, and the green falls away pretty dramatically towards the water it's a it's a really death-defying chip and uh Cantlay definitely caught it a little bit more flush than he might have thought and somehow the ball hangs up on the bulkhead instead of falling into the water you know nine you know 99 million times out of 100 million times that ball goes in the water but this one time it just happens to get stuck there and it looked pretty playable, even though the announcers and even Rom said, "Oh no, I would never play this. I'd take the drop. I'd take the drop," because he was in the he was in the penalty area. But he stood there and dithered over it for nearly five minutes. I mean, you could tell, and Rom is trying to fill the dead air. Mm-hmm. They were cutting away from him to show other shots but poor rom is there trying to actually give commentary and and fill the air as cantlay is there talking to his caddy and pulls one club and takes a couple practice swings puts it back pulls another club takes a couple practice swings and you know the only shot he's got is to hit kind of a half blade i mean almost like a bellied wedge type shot and the ball maybe you know maybe 20 percent of the ball is kind of sitting below the level of the wood mm-hmm. but if you make any kind of contact with the ball you know it's just it's gonna pop up and it's gonna roll out was there any I mean, potential for that like to kind of ricochet and come backwards you were hoping <laughs> just for chaos sake <laughs> you were hoping for it, but really there wasn't the ball was sitting up enough like i said you know maybe 20 percent was below like in the little groove between the actual bulkhead and one of the uh the posts so unless he just absolutely hit the top of the ball with the bottom of the golf club he was gonna get enough on it and it would like i said it would pop up kind of pop straight up but go forward enough that it would you know carry about three four feet land on the green and roll out and it was just a question of how far it would roll out so you know and he could have used probably any club in the bag to -hmm. hit that shot It, it didn't really matter but you know, in, in true Cantlay style, he had to make it take almost five minutes. And you could see Spieth and Fitzy on the back of the green just, you know, rolling their eyes and talking to one another and, like, just completely over it. Yeah, I I, I forgot that that's what the incident that you were talking about when um, when you sent that. I was like, I wonder which, which one he's talking about. But that's also the bad thing. It's like there's so many now that it's just, you know, they – I think they even cut away from from one of his shots because he was just standing there so long. And this was just one. He was in the fairway. Um, and they were just waiting, waiting. And eventually they were like, we're going to jump on over to 12, show you this shot here. And then they, they come back. Um, and he still hasn't hit. So I think 
you know, last week he was criticized for his slow play, um, being ahead of the, the final group. And he was asked about it. I figure this week, maybe consciously, you're just saying, okay, let me just speed up a little bit. Instead of taking so many practice wings or, or anything, let me, let me get dialed into my shot while my playing partner is hitting theirs. But instead, he waits for them to finish their routine and then hit the ball. And then he goes through his entire routine. Um, and then you look at someone like a Matt Fitzpatrick, where as soon as they get to him, he's already gone through all that. He's ready to pull the trigger. Same thing with like a Brooks Kepka. I mean, these are just guys that they go through their routine while someone else is hitting and they can hit the ball just that quick. And that's a, a great thing as a viewer because you don't have to worry about or you don't have to wait for them to pan to another shot and then come back. Because as soon as that camera hits them, they're they're hitting the ball. So I thought maybe just being a little more conscious and, and trying to play a little bit faster. And then he has the hole-in-one and puts it out on social media about, oh, hole-in-one, you know, trying to play faster, like Sterling said, and then continues to play slow. And that's the thing I think that just blows my mind. Like, yeah, it was a funny moment, like, for you to, to put that out on social media – but then to continue to play slow and still be criticized for playing slow, it's just, I don't know, it's just egregious at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think we've already answered the question, but should this exist? Should Patrick Cantlay be allowed to play this slowly? Um, what, what are the rules officials doing? Why is he not getting penalized for this? Well, I think everyone has been pretty outspoken about the rules official when it comes to putting players on the clock. It just doesn't seem like there's consistency across the board um and i mean i I don't remember ever here or the last time i heard about a player being put put on a clock or a group being put on the clock well also so they were playing threesomes which are just kind of naturally slow i don't know that they ever got out of position and honestly playing with a fast player like Fitzy and you know Speed's a medium pace player I wouldn't call him fast but he's definitely not slow and that's making up Mm -hmm. a lot of time for Cantlay Cantlay's really taking advantage of other players who play quickly and that's why I kind of threw it out there in our group text if you're a fast player and you're playing with Cantlay and you're just absolutely sick of it do you slow play Cantlay get out of position get your group on the clock and then speed up because you're not going to get a bad time you're able to hit your shots within 40 seconds but you know that Cantlay can't and that you might be able to get him penalized if you can get him on the clock I mean I know that's that's something that people have talked about before but it's kind of psych it's kind of psychotic but but at the same time like you have to be so dialed into your game that you can if you're typically a fast player to take a step back and go through a lot slower. I mean, that'll continue that potentially um, throw you completely off your game and, and really kind of self-sabotage. And one of the things I always thought that would be a great idea, and I'm sure it's not going to work just logistically because of the waves that they go out. But if you know, or you have players that are statistically slower than others, grouping them together, because, you know, they could, if they're all slow, they're the easiest ones to get on the clock and they're the easiest ones to start penalizing because what you're saying is, is what we're seeing 
more times than others is you'll have one slow player and two really fast players and that just kind of evens everything out or sometimes even two slower players and one really fast player and it still kind of evens it out a little bit so I think that's the thing the tour struggles with so much um, when it comes to penalizing a group or penalizing a person is that's why there's no consistency with it they just you know they can't figure it out but they've got to do something and because so many people are aware of it and so many people are watching it now, I think the tour needs to be watching it as well. But what's the point for Patrick Cantley to play faster if he's just going to have to sit and wait on the next tee box? Because you, you just said they weren't behind. Right, so he's going to hurry up and wait? Well, I mean... I think it really hurts... No, no sorry, Mason. I think it really hurts... The viewing experience. Why are they yeah. showing Cantley? If, if we know Cantley is a slow player, why are we getting the first forty-five seconds? I think like, that so kind of makes good, me upset. That's a good point, and they'd gotten good at basically not showing him live, just cutting back to him on tape and pretending it's live. But this weekend, they showed they showed a lot of his shots in real time, and yeah, it's absolutely. It's absolutely agonizing, and it's not like he's having interesting conversations with his caddy or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's like watching paint dry, and I think that's that's the tough thing. I mean, you're right, Sterling, but I, I you know, they shouldn't. It's tough to cut to him at just the right time. You've almost got to resign yourself to not showing him live, which, if he's in second place in the tournament, you don't really want to do that because then that, you know that's screwing up the flow of uh of everything that you've got going on i mean cbs is kind of between a rock and a hard place as far as as far as that goes i but i think that's the big that's the big impact you're right it's not like they're actually going to be playing the round of golf in less time if Cantley plays faster it's just that it makes it more enjoyable for those of us who've chosen to watch it so i have a question here kind of a theory i guess CBS was the broadcast yesterday, correct? Yes. Do you think they were kind of feeding into the Patrick Cantley slow play by showing him for five minutes without hitting a shot? Absolutely. And can and no. Go ahead, Matt. No, I don't think so ahead. because the way you're look the way you're watching that process, it seemed like at any given moment, like he was ready to pull the trigger. Like, they, they kind of went back, and it, he would, like, set up to it, and it was like, oh, is he going to hit it? Like, you can't pan away because he's about to hit the shot that could go back in the water. You can definitely pan away because it's not live. Like, no, you, every single shot you watch on TV is I not live. That, but they had John Rahm giving commentary over this shot process. So you can't just be like, hey, okay, yeah, you're saying that you would never play this shot because of, of X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, shoot, let's jump over here real quick. And let's get you out of this and, and talk talk about this other shot over here. And then we're going to get you right back into this one. It's because John Rahm was going through and saying, like, this is what I would do. This is the strategy here. You know, it's really tough. You never want to be in this position because it's always – you know, he's going through this entire process. So they're, they're staying on Cantlay. So in that – Did you enjoy watching the entire process? No. I mean, I, I – it just – to me – so C- CBS is willing to lose you as a viewer showing this entire thing instead of being like in John in John Rom's earpiece. Yeah, John, this guy's taking forever. We're gonna actually cut away uh, for a second. No. 
because you have world number one and masters champion giving breakdown of what could potentially be going through in Patrick Cantley and his caddy, their conversation right now. But also if he was in that position, what he would be doing. So that's, that's gold. Like I said, that's what people were there for, for, for John Rom. Now I would say if John Rom wasn't in the booth, they would have had to have cut away like six different times. I think it's just because they had John Rom there and they knew that that was a, a perfect opportunity for them. And the first minute or so of that was fascinating. It really was. It really was. And you could tell at some point Rom was laboring, absolutely laboring to continue to try to find things to say. And I mean, all credit to him for being able to fill that much basically dead freaking air. Yeah. Number one player in the world. All right. Pretty I mean, decent commentator as well. He's definitely the number one player in the world. I think we need to stop putting so much emphasis on the official world golf rankings. Uh, that's why I said I gave you two. <laughs> Scotty I said, if Scotty Scheffler would have won this week, would he have taken over world number one? Uh, I would assume so with the strength of field. Is that is the strength of field better than a major Maybe. though? Actually, yes. In the new oh, rules, okay. yes, because it's a full field. Yeah, but that's why I gave you both. I said world number one and master champion. I gave you both. So. All right. All right. So looking at other good performances this week, and I want to give a shout out to my man Sahith yeah. Dagala phenomenal phenomenal performance human highlight film how do you not love this guy how do Chipping we in so go ahead, go ahead yeah yeah i mean just he's so much fun to watch play golf absolutely so much fun to watch play golf at what point in his career do we start calling these like a backdoor top 10 top five whatever he finished you know what I'm saying? Like, if this was Roy, we'd be like, oh, you know, Roy just snuck in the back door there. I don't know. I think he. I think he's mm. got to. He's got to string him along for like a decent amount of time. But that's that's what it is. I mean, he's he's playing great. Um, you know, and for someone who's fresh on the tour, sometimes they struggle. There's always that that lull. They kind of come out of, of either corn ferry or out of college, and they kind of have. You know really really great performance right out of the gate and then they just kind of drop off and for him like he he definitely peaked i mean you saw at the waste man, management he almost won I, th- I was like man he's really coming out of the gates firing had the opportunity to really start going down and he's just kind of stayed pretty steady and kind of on our upward trend so do we want yeah, him I mean, on the Ryder cup team this year I would kill to have him on the Ryder Cup team. This I know year. you I want know, him there, but like, do we is want he him? Going to help the team. Um, I don't. If if he doesn't make it based on points, which I think right now he he would. I don't think he's a captain's pick. I think you got to you got to play him in a, a Presidents Cup first. All right, so looking at the Ryder Cup standings, guess we've got to take Will Zalatoris yeah, out. Yeah, he's done. See ya. Is he not done back for yet? The year. See ya. Pun intended. Yeah. So that moves the Gala to 12th. Oh, Lord. So if you're going to go... Is JT above him? 
I guess I'm I'm sorry. It's Still, like the last yes. two years. It's, I, I'm it's the last two. It's the last two years. Although last year's points degrade kind of quickly. So, I mean, if Thomas keeps playing the way he does, he has been. He's not gonna. He's not gonna stay up there. But uh, how many captains picks are we doing this year? I thought it was. Is six? it six again? Is it six again? I don't know. We have so many. We we change it. Yeah. So you're you're seven through. You're seven and below. You've got Morikawa at seventh. Zalatoris at eight. Him. Yeah, Zalator. Okay. Are you? You're. I mean, he's Colin Morikawa. You're gonna take him, but you're, the way you're he's gonna putting, take him. the way he's putting right now, I would, I would hate to put him with a really good ball striker, and then he's just up there missing putts. At seventh, you're gonna take him. He drops a little bit further. You need to talk about it. But Zalatoris at eighth. He's out. Thomas at ninth. Shoffley at 10th. You're taking Shoffley. You're taking both of them. Yeah. Kurt Kitayama at 11th. Pass. Ah, one API. Chris Kirk at 12. Hard pass. You could pass on Kirk. Sahith at 13. Keegan at 14. Oh, man. Tom Hoagie at 15. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting to. Scary. Yeah. Now. These names start getting interesting. Brooks Kepka at 17. Hard take. Brooks, you know, another another big finish in a major. Maybe he cracks the top 12. How far down is Phil? What do we need Phil to do in the next three majors to have a chance? Phil's at 22. Oh, Taylor Swift, he's got a chance, man. <laughs> this is interesting. You got Fino at 18th right now. He's a pick. He gets picked. You think? Yeah. I take Fina over Sahith uh, right now. Would you? For a Ryder Cup? Yeah. Soth's got form. He's got form, but he's got no experience. The you, last saw time what he picking, saw... you saw what picking experience got us uh, for about 10 years. Yeah, remember remember the, uh, you got me the Ryder Cup? Uh, Zero. Oh God! What was the? What did they call the team? Task the task force. force. The Ryder Cup the task, task force. force. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes! Every time I hear the Ryder Cup task force, I think of Ricky hopping in that car with Tiger for the uh, for the meeting <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I yeah, I, I take Tony Fino over Sahith. Um he, He's got to show me a little more this year. Didn't you win like three times last year? He did, but what have you done for me lately? What has Sahith done for me lately? Backdoor uh, a couple of top fives. Pretty much. <laughs> Chipped in at 16 at the Masters. Like, oh, he's a president. He's a, he's a lock now. Oh, man. Give me the hot hands, man. Give me the hot hands. So. All right. Well, here we go, folks. The moment we've all been waiting for. Um, We'll get to the Zurich Classic a little bit later in the show. Um, Madison Hill played in a VSGA tournament a one day um, at his old stomping ground, Stonehenge, where he used to be a member. So he's played that course a bunch. Madison decided not to tell Mike and I what he shot today. So this is a, a live reaction here on the show. Uh, we're going to let him start out by just kind of saying, you know, 
how his his day started and how he was feeling going into the round. Um, we're going to set the line at an 89 and a half, and I've taken the under. Mike, what are you thinking? 89 and a half? Just, just because ha- of his I'm reaction. Hammering, I'm hammering the under if it's 89 and a half. Okay. Uh, d- just because of his reaction, I, I texted Madison at 4 o'clock. No response. Gave him a call. Didn't pick up. And, you know, you know, Mike texted the group chat. Again, Madison didn't respond for like an hour. I honestly almost called his wife. I was getting a little worried for him. Um, but, Madison, go ahead and take it away. <laughs> wow. What, uh, what a setup there. Um, yeah, so I played Stonehenge today. Um, I was used to be a member there. I wouldn't say I'd played there a bunch. I played the front nine a decent amount of times. Um, Here we go, Mike. But, um, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm going to talk about my game in a second, um, which was which was not great today. Um but I will say the course was was not great, and to the point where, um, and I'm not sure what his name is. I guess he's he either runs the VSGA or I don't know. He was the the main guy running the show today. He was running around and, and caught us at one point because we had a group, um, not the group in front of us, but the group in front of them were were being put on the clock. They were 15. 15 minutes behind the group in front of them. Um, and he was asking us how, how it was playing out there. And we we're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's okay. And he goes, I thought the greens would have been a little more grown in by now. Um, so they punched about three weeks ago. Um, still about 75% sand. Um, so yeah. Um, I thought you had been out there recently. That's why you were trying to get me to go out there the other day. I was out there the weekend before they okay. punched i was there on sunday they literally punched the next day yeah so um they're they're not really not really coming in um can i yeah. say something real quick madison texted me sunday morning we talked about it saturday he texted me sunday morning what are you doing today I was like i don't know let's go play stonehenge tonight five o'clock He's like, All right, I get it. Like, you got, you have kids and stuff, and I get, like, obviously, you know. Um, but he's like, let's go play somewhere else. And I'm thinking, like, nah, like, you, if you're going to play, you got to go play Stonehenge because if you go somewhere else, the green speeds are going to throw you off. Um, it, we elected not to. I get it. I understand. Um, but right now you're complaining about the condition of the course, and this could have all been avoided if we just, you know, played a couple holes. No, I – I don't, I don't think it could have been avoided. I mean, I think we would have known that we were in for a, a tough round. Um, but on a green like that where they're not growing in, they're basically sand, you're getting a lot of – I mean, it, it's the greens are unpredictable. The speeds are unpredictable. The bounces are unpredictable, all of it. And then the thing I thought was pretty interesting. So I'm playing with two other guys. That fourth um, didn't show up. So we're on hole two. We hit our drives in the fairway. We're getting ready to hit our approach shots. Approach shots. I see um, one of the maintenance guys coming up the hill. He goes over there and switches on the sprinklers. Just turns the sprinklers on the green while we're waiting to hit our approach shots. So we look at each other and we're like, "So are we are we waiting? Are we hitting?" And the one guy's like, "The one guy Solomon's like, well, let's just go ahead and hit." So we all hit our approach shots in. 
we drive up to the green and then we just stand behind the green for like six minutes and just wait for the sprinklers to go off. So that happened to us twice on two different holes. Um, they also hadn't finished cutting the greens this morning. They were cutting 12. We started on 14. They hadn't finished the back yet. Um, so conditions weren't great. Now let's talk about, let's talk about my game. Cause that was also not great, but, um, so what are we saying? 89 and a half is the number. Yeah. We're going to set the line at 89 yeah, okay. and a half. So, um, somehow pulled in an 83 out of my rear end today. Um, that was surprise. I look, I started off. So on hole 14, Sterling and I were talking about it last night and he goes, that's probably the best hole that you could start on. And I was like, why is that? And he goes short par four, you know, then you, you get a, a par, you get back to back par fives coming up. Um, like your last couple holes, it'll be a good way to finish. So I was like, okay. And we talk about hitting two iron off the tee. And, um, so I get up there, I'd hit, you know, a couple balls on the range, hit two iron. It was absolutely flushing. And I get up there, yank it left into this tree. There's a tree that's like, if, if you've played it, there's a tree that runs right next to the car path. Just one tree, one tree. I hit it, hits off that tree and it's sitting on the bank on the other side of the Creek. That's my first shot of the day. And, um, we just start scrambling from there. That was the the entire day was was basically a scramble. Um, I hit driver pretty well. Um, irons were a little loose. The tees were moved up a decent amount, which I think threw everything off because a lot of it was going driver wedge, and I got exposed on the short game a lot. What's your question, Sterling? Well, I don't have a question. You, you, you gave me a look and shook your head, so I'm trying to figure out. We're we're. We're complaining about the tees being moved up. Yeah, the course is playing too short no. for him, Sterling. I mean, it's, he's too big. He's too big that, for the but, ballpark. But I thought me? my one of my advantages of of playing there before would be I knew, like what what clubs you're hitting off of each tee. So I think that that's what I'm saying for that. But you know, overall, it just it got out of hand on a couple holes. Um, made no birdies, and yeah, I, I definitely got exposed out there, but. Um, played with two really great guys. Uh, one of them won the no, maybe he came in second on the gross. Um, mm, okay. And the other guy I played with is trying to become professional. So yeah. Oh wow. He says he's been playing for sixteen years since he was eight. So did he look like he has some chance of becoming? A professional golfer? Maybe one day. <laughs> what did he shoot? What did he, he shoot? He was... Yeah. I think he was eight over or nine over. I hate to be the first one to yeah. tell this guy. Um, but no, I mean, like, the the lowest score out there today, I think, was three over. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So someone figured out how to get the ball. Someone did, yeah. They did. Um, but, I mean, really mine was, you know, I'm not saying, you know, obviously I, I said what was what their issue with the green was. But when you're not anywhere close to the green, when you're hitting when you're hitting into the green and you've got, you know, 50 feet to try and make, I mean, obviously having greens that aren't predictable is not going to be friendly to you. So, 
Now, what's the format of the uh, the one days for our, our folks at home who might not have played in one of these before? It's just a it's just a shotgun start. Um, they take a gross and then they take mm-hmm. a net. So there's a gross winner or two gr- two gross winners, first and second, and there's a, a net um, first and second as well. Now, is it pure stroke play? You're holding yep. everything out, or do they cap it? Um, actually, I think they do a they cap it at a net double or I think it's net a net cap double? at a net double okay. yeah yeah okay so you can't totally incinerate yourself out there there is some some mercy rule <laughs> there is yeah so if you okay yeah if and you get too to far out ahead of your skis there is a lifeline um there is a safety net for you which is which is good um but yeah I mean it was it was slow out there and um you know it was it was fun going going back there and and kind of knowing a little bit um of of where to hit it there but yeah it was it was rough going it definitely i thought i would have an advantage having played there before because we kind of talked about this you know playing some of these one days you you typically will go play a course you've never played before just because there's no other reason or it's a really good rate because i think all the vsg one days with the exception of a couple are like 65 bucks so you can play some private courses you never be allowed on or some courses that are typically very expensive for a really good price but you're learning the course while you're there which can be a detriment to you as well so um yeah i thought i would have a little little bit of home course advantage and i definitely didn't so so did you learn anything that you're taking away for your preparation for the state open qualifier? Yeah, the biggest thing is uh, short game. I got exposed pretty well on that. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, I don't know. I think just having a a go-to a go-to shot. When things aren't going well, just have a go-to mm-hmm. shot. So Yeah, Sterling has like some that. feedback he wants to give. He's He's dying over here. I've got nothing to say. No, go ahead and say it. I find that hard to believe. No, I can't. (laughs) Sir, then I see. I'm happy for you. Uh, That was your first tournament in how long? I don't know, two years? Since Williams? No, stop. Well, we played in the tournament last uh, fall. Fall. RVA oh, Open. Yes, RVA sorry. Open. You also played in Williamsburg that was, last year. I think year. that was two years ago. No, it was, it was last year you took my putter. Was it last year? Okay. So then, yeah, that's how long it's been. I also learned that um, playing like more full 18 whole rounds is good, too. Um, I've been... Did you get a little tired out there? I did get a little tired out there, um, especially when things weren't going well. So... Play, I thought playing nine would just kind of keep you in form and, and still be something pretty good to, to kind of test all your skills, but really kind of pushing it to play a full 18 is, is kind of where you need to be. Certainly, did you get some feedback from, from Stonehenge? Yeah, so I texted my guy at Stonehenge uh, just to kind of, you know, see if what Madison was, was saying is the truth, and it was. Uh, he claims that they punched two weeks ago and they're still bumpy and they're still sandy. So, but that's honestly, it's no excuse. 
Let's be honest. Like Mike said, someone to figure out. I'm mean, I'm serious. Like someone to figure out a way yeah, to do it. Yeah, you just got to hit the ball closer to the hole. And that's what I said. I mean, I didn't put myself in any any great positions. Like when I did, when I did hit the green, I wasn't wasn't putting myself where I could honestly make a decent run at the hole. Everything was, you know, trying to lag it up there as close as possible, and then sometimes not really finding out the speed, and then you're stressing over a three or four footer. So. It's tough to play work? like that when you're constantly playing defense. Yeah. Uh, what does a practice routine look like moving forward? We've got two months into the Yeah, qualifier. so I was actually um, kind of going over that. So um, with Providence being, being pretty close, uh, my goal is at least three, three mornings of the week. I think they open at 7. Um, going down there and just kind of hitting balls and working on short game in the morning and then trying to at least get in maybe one to two full rounds a week. I know that's going to be really tough. One round would be ideal, and then maybe pepper in a couple um, nine-hole hole rounds as well, just kind of working on, on different things. Um, I'd like to also um, kind of focus on, like, the, the worst ball format, hitting two balls and taking your worst shot. Because I, I do find myself hitting that a little bit more and just kind of working through the strategy of when you put yourself in a bad position, what's the best best route that you can um, you can find to get out of there. So that's what we got moving forward. Um, and then putting, I've been putting a lot at home. I've got a, um, a well-put mat and then using the mirror as well, just really kind of working on the stroke. And that was, like I said, that the stroke felt really good today, just... I didn't put myself in any good positions to try and take advantage of it, but that's what I'm doing with the putter. What putter did you use? The three. The Versa three. What? Oh, did you get a new putter? Yeah, you saw it. Oh, I don't think we talked about it on the oh. podcast. Did you get another new putter? Yeah, I did get fit for this putter. <laughs> so this is the this one's a little different. Yep. So. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Sure is. Uh, so where are, you, where are you doing your state open qualifier? Um, Chesden and the two guys. The, the two right, guys I yeah. played with are. I think they're doing theirs at, or one of them's doing it at Boonesboro. Is that? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lynchburg, I think. Yes. Yeah. So the it's guy, um, I think his name's Ben. Ben Allysworth, um, lives in Lynchburg, and I, I think he plays out of Boonesboro a lot. So I think that's where he's going to do his qualifier. And I think Solomon, I'm not 100% sure, he said he lives out in the Martinsville area. So I don't know if there's one near him or he's going to drive up to Boonesboro. But isn't Boonesboro the last, last chance qualifier as well? Or is that somewhere else? I, I, I thought know. you were the one telling me about it, so. Hmm. No. I think I said if, you, if you're if you within a couple of shots, I would pay for your last chance qualifier. Oh, I thought you said that. Oh, I don't remember you saying that. I thought you were talking about where the location was. The last chance is Magnolia Green. Love that. Honestly, I don't know if we could just cancel Chesden and go to Mag Green. <laughs> Used to be a member there too, I've never right? Never been a member there. Uh, 
But you have good, good vibes no. there, right? You have a hole in one there. Like, I what have are we a hole in about? one when it was West Ham nine hole course. I've never played well at Magnolia. All right, it's still. It's that, still the same. That nine is still there. <laughs> yeah. Your plaque in the ground is still there. there. I think they tore it up. Is that that's a that's a Nicholas design, right? Isn't that why they hold themselves up to a pretty high standard and charge what they do? Magnolia uh, Green, it is okay. a Nicholas design. Nicholas design, Billy Casper management. Mm. Now, just because it's a Nicholas design doesn't mean Nicholas design. No, not at all. His that firm. Yeah, his yeah. company. Yeah, his his firm had me fooled. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I thought it was going to be a lot worse, honestly. The way you just didn't respond at all to my uh, texts and calls, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was going to be in the 90s. Yeah, I can't believe we got radio silence for an 83. For 83, like 11 over. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Can I, can I hear the hole by hole? Yeah, let me pull it up for you. All right, well, he's pulling us up. Uh, Mike, you got anything? Ooh, I, you gave a shout-out to, to Sahith earlier, and I was thinking we should start doing a segment, um, just like shout-outs of the week. Mm-hmm. I had one driving home, but I just forgot about it. Any other shout-outs you guys want to give? So I want to give a shout-out to Andrew Bailey. I played a match against him yesterday in – our group's um, season-long match play event. Fantastic guy. Great match. Started out as a pillow fight. Turned into a knife fight at the end. It was, you know, just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. You know, bogeys were winning holes the first few holes. It was really, really embarrassing. But from about eight on, I made three birdies coming in. Well, it was at Belmont, so two of the birdies were on Little Bell. But, uh, you know, I don't think no hole was won with anything worse than a par from eight on in. And we have 11 with pars. So, you know, the level of golf increased dramatically throughout the day. So, just great guy, a lot of fun. Did you, did you win? Did you yeah, say- I, won t- I won two up. Two and one. Not two and one, unfortunately. It was two up. I won the eighteenth hole when I was one up. So nice. Congratulations. I should have I should have planned it a little better. <laughs> I should have, you know, but I did what I could. Madison, any shout outs for you? I mean, I will shout out Ben and Solomon today. I mean, just a couldn't have been a better group. Um Did you get their contact information? I did not. Oh, we could have had on. Yeah, well, maybe I'll, I'll get I'll look Solomon up. We can have him. He can talk about his journey to get on the PGA Tour. Um, but no, just two great guys. Definitely, um, you know, kind of a 180 from the group I, I played with last time. So, really, really cool. Um, do we want to start on my starting hole or just on one? I think we got to go your starting hole to see how it okay. really started. So, 14, I told you. Um, short Short par par four four. pulled it into a tree I've never seen before Um, hit it out 
I was on a bank, hit eight iron, um, kind of punched it out towards the green, hit wedge, um, up and then two putted from there. So started bogey. Um, that's pretty solid, honestly. The longish par three, um, dead into the wind today. What was it? One ninety six. On the scorecard, no, one ninety six. From um, rangefinder, one ninety six. What did it say on the scorecard? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, one ninety six is what I was playing today. Um, into the wind, absolutely flush four iron, pin high. Um, pulled it left into the bunker chipped out and kind of left it on the um on the fringe kind of trying to play that shot and um ended up in ground on a repair where they were (laughs) pulling up a sprinkler head or whatever so um took relief from that chipped on and um see did i two put that i don't know it ended up with with bogey there so mine's already kind of racing at that point. Um, on sixteen, okay, I hit. Why is the mine racing? Just going bogey, after bogey start after people. thinking it was going to be a little bit better because we had talked. We gotta get. We gotta find you a mental coach. Bogey, bogey start in a tournament. First tournament fine. of the year is fine. Just Dude, fine. Dude, it's a VSGA one day. It's not the open well, qualifier. So sixteen, I hit um, two iron down there. Um, it. I'm trying to think what it did. Ended up kind of coming up a little bit shorter than I think. I actually hit it heavy. That's what it was. I had one, one seventy into the green. Yeah, I said heavy, um, and just kind of fanned it a little to the right. It was right on the fringe, actually just a little bit further off the fringe, pin high. I um, just kind of hit a bump and run with a pitching wedge and left it to like three inches and tapped in for par. Um, 17 i hit two iron off the tee um got it past the tree up there and had 178 180 in um i think i hit that one pretty heavy too that's one thing i've kind of been struggling with a little bit the balls i'm kind of hitting them a little bit heavy came up short chipped on ended up two putting from there um ended up with bogey 18 the tees were way up I hit driver um, down the right-hand side. I had 100 yards in. Um, wind kicked up on me after I hit the shot, so it came up a little bit short. Ended up two-putting there for par. Then we go to one. Driver right down the middle. Wedge right over the flag. Two-putt par. Two. Uh, we hit driver down there. 100 yards in hit wedge two putt par hole three driver up the right side i think i had seven iron in um just a little right of the green just like right off the edge hit pitching wedge hit a bump and run pitching wedge and it lipped out um for a tap and par this is where it gets interesting is the par five so um I know right is the one place you can't miss it on that par five and absolutely fanned um, driver way over there. Ended up hitting a provisional off the tee. Um, found it like in a, my first one in a, like in the center of a bush. There's no way I could put a club on it. Ended up taking an unplayable, kind of blew up from there. Ended up with a double. 
and then went bogey um bogey on the next par five that's one weakness i saw par five scoring was terrible um bogey the par four seventh i'm sorry bogey the par four eighth um made par on nine and then ten uh just a really poor chip shot on that one when i was by the green bogey um par bogey par and that's it yeah finished with a par so what'd you shoot on the front nine front nine i shot 42 yep 42 42 41 okay yep yep i guess it was it was if it helps it was good enough for sixth place (laughs) not that that's saying much sixth place gross sixth place uh gross yeah out of how many um there were 70 hold on well of my flight yeah oh you got sixth place in your flight yeah which flight? 10 and under 10.3 and under Oh, so you were in the yeah. top flight. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you were sixth place. You were probably sixth place gross in the tournament then. Mm, no, because there was somebody in the 10.4 that there were two in the 10.4 <laughs> um, that somehow shot seven over, sandbagging a little bit. Sand, sandbag. Dirty, yeah. dirty sandbaggers. Okay. And then. Okay. Yeah. Sam. what's their name put their names out there it was yep. joe and Bo- joe and bob no, 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 no. joe and bob they both they both took home a little bit of cash too mm. 60 bucks and 40 bucks oh they're getting paid you, I don't know, you, you can accept money for first and second so they're professional i don't know oh the amateur status rules i think you can is it under a certain i think you can take home a, a, fair a amount. certain dollar yeah. amount yeah i think so yeah so yeah, if, um, sixth, and then Solomon was fifth. Future PGA Tour player. Well, there you go. Now you can when he makes it. That's what I told like, him. Yeah, I lost That's that what guy. I told him. I was like, "Hey, look, I'm gonna hit you up some for tickets to the Masters yeah. when you get when you turn professional." So. So under a thousand dollars. In what time frame? Ever. No, in a oh. tournament. Jeez. Yeah, playing a little loose here. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could, you could win a thousand bucks go. a week. Yep. All nice right. little side, nice little go. side hustle. We're gonna move on. We're we're getting deep into the show. We're now at the uh, one hour and seven minute mark uh if you're still here thank you all for listening we're gonna get into our picks for the zurich classic not sure how this is really gonna work um when i go to post it on instagram i'm not sure how i want to get both players in the uh in the story but uh mike you're welcome i gave you saw hit the gala uh your favorite golfer last week that was Madison, perfect i loved take? hearing that i loved hearing that on the pod who'd you take madison max home your favorite golfer no. Who did I take last week? I, I don't know. 
Uh, I think I he tried Min-Woo. to give him he, Homer. Yeah, he tried I to give think me he tried Homer. To give him uh, yeah, like we're picking our favorite golfers. Like he should have to as well. You know, it's only right. fair. Oh, I picked. I took uh, Victor Hovland. Wow, what a hot and cold week it was for him. Would where uh, he, he made the cut, but I think he finished dead last. All right, so it's going to go Mike Madison and then myself. And then if Mike takes like Xander and Cantley, like you can't take, you know what I'm saying? Like we're we're picking the team. Okay, you're picking a team. Yeah. So it's an interesting week. A lot of interesting pairings out there. There's a Molinari in the field, but not my boy. It's not Francesco. It's Eduardo playing with Luke Donald. Staying away from that. Um, God, you know, a lot of a lot of great players are. Uh, are choosing to are choosing to opt out of this so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for fun here and i think joel damon and denny mccarthy you know want to see joel do well everybody loves joel great i think great format for him gonna be low stress gonna be low key he can go out there make a lot of birdies not really care about not really care about much of anything so as long as they can get through the alternate shot portion pretty well and you know, Denny McCarthy makes everything he looks at. So, yeah, so that's where we're going. Joel Damon and Denny McCarthy. All right. Um, I'm going to go with the the pairing of Max Homa and Colin Morikawa. One, since Sterling is making everyone pick their favorite players, but also I've picked Colin Morikawa a handful of times this year, and if almost been let down every single time so why not run it back again i thought the matt fitzpatrick and his brother alex would be an interesting matchup but um yeah i think i'm just gonna go uh max and colin this week all right it is it is really safe live a little live a little man i mean you're in new orleans you're in new orleans and you're going so safe that's like that's like going to New Orleans and staying out in the suburbs. Are you ready for this one, Mike? All right. Come on, man. Hit me with it. I'm going oh, captain, please. my cap, what is, captain, oh, captain. Oh, captain, my captain. I Let, love it. You already I know love who I'm it. taking. Madison, who am I taking? Let's hear it. I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. Oh, come on. How do you not I know? I've only looked. Like, I took captain. the two, like the top. Oh, captains. Oh, captains, my captains. There it is. I'm going Zach Johnson yes. and Steve Stricker. Imagine. Love it. They're, they're, Love there's it. There's a cut in this event, correct? Uh, Imagine they they make the cut and they're in like a, a late grouping on Sunday. Woo. Um, oh, could, so, you, could you imagine? You know, ZJ is... Knocking the ball off the tee with practice mm. swings. Mm. Talk about slow play. Oh yeah, Stricker's got the Stricker's got the heel of the putter off the ground and making everything he looks at. 
Sterling, thank you. Thank you for doing Someone the work that has to be done. Thank, thank you for yeah. doing the work that has to be All right. done. All right. All right. I appreciate if that, that. If that's what we're going to do, I'll, I'll change my pick. No, no I'll, I'll change now. it. No, no, no. You're just I'll change guy. it. No, 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 no. no. no we're going to cut change this. We're gonna no, I'd, love to see, I'd love to see you Go cut ahead. it because I'm the one that edits it. Um, I'll... Uh, <laughs> I'm, when I go to post this on our Instagram, Twitter, whatever, like I'm not gonna whoever you take now, I'm just not gonna include. I'll them. I'll put this one in there. I'll put this one in there. So you might as well hold your breath. So we're gonna go through and just you know highlight some interesting pairings. Like we said, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Alex's brother is kind of wild. This event, if you are a PGA Tour player and you qualify, you can just bring in whoever you want, as long as they're a professional. That's what it appears to be. Um, one interesting pairing. Just trying to keep going here before Madison can get a chance to, to speak. Wesley Bryan and Grayson Murray. Insane. That is the same Grayson yep. Murray that was trash talking Kevin Knock, correct? Yep. That's that Grayson Murray. Yeah. That's just insane. I got to tell you, though, John Daly, David Duvall. Ooh, I didn't even see that. I love that. I absolutely Here's my... love that. I don't understand it, question. but I love Could... it. Could gotta be a sponsor could wesley right? not take george he sure could i think that would have been better than grayson dude wesley's trying to actually like compete i feel like he's trying and to get grayson that is back. the best option no you're probably right but like who wants to play with wesley bryan right now i don't know i mean that's a good point but still like i don't know i feel like there's got if you're trying to compete if you're trying to Get your your tour card back. Roads don't go through Grayson Murray. So, are we gonna roll this clip when they make the cut and finish yeah. the top look, twenty? Look, I'll take I'll take this one. You guys have thrown your hot takes out there enough and been burned by them. I'll take this one. If they make the cut, you can roll it because there's there's no shot. There's no shot. Wesley had no, no Wesley shot? hasn't made a cut on his own and. All right, if they make the cut, what do you have to do? What's the fourth? There's nothing. You can. Let's make it real. No, 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 no. Let's make it real. No, let's make it real interesting. What is what's real interesting? I don't know. What 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 should he have to do, Mike? What do we think? Dizzy golf. What's that? Dizzy golf, where he has to like spin around ten times and then hit a shot. I don't know. Are we gonna Are we gonna film it? Oh, yeah, we'll film it and put it wherever we want. Okay. Yeah, I love it. It's not that bad. I can think of worse things. Oh, for sure. But we're going to try to keep this show PG, remember, Mike? No, I wasn't talking about that. I was thinking about things like he has to drink. We make a drink of everything in the, uh, you know, everything in the Jersey Mike's Fountain. Oh, Everything in the Pro Shop. That would actually be good. Couple Snickers, oh. yeah, Glizzies, mm-hmm. ketchup, mustard, Kind Bar, yeah, yeah. yikes, that's not bad. Oh, and can't forget the coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's been there for Should three we days. It? Honestly, no, that might get that's, some that's views. Gonna be, that's gonna be pretty rough. <laughs> nah, let, let's let's do dizzy golf. I like that. All right, so he's saying there's no shot. Grayson Murray and Wesley Bryan. What is it? It's top cut. thirty-three teams and ties. I don't know. We'll find out Saturday morning. Yeah. Any interesting? Any other interesting pairings out there? 
couple Canadians playing together. Tom Hoagie here is English. Is a good team. Brandon Matthews is playing with Sean O'Hare. I don't know who Brandon is. Hits the ball about 400 yards. That's about it, though. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, let's see. Who else? Nick Watney, Charlie Hoffman, throwback to about 2008. I feel like Madison said something recently about Charlie Hoffman. I can't remember what it was, though. Oh, I'm sure he has. Jimmy Walker, DA points. How about Jimmy it Walker does... catching some shade this past weekend, being a major champion? <laughs> Sam Saunders, is that um, Arnold Palmer's? Yes. That is Mr. Palmer's grandson, yes. Playing with Eric Cole. Should be a good week. They do the... Uh, be the last thing we do but uh they do the walk-up mm-hmm. music for this mm-hmm. event um surprise there's no females playing this week usually like alexi i think it's because they have the uh um, the, the joint event in the That's fall right. now the old yeah. the old shootout well and also this weekend is the chevron it's the first lpga major this weekend is it not i think so I'm only saying that because you sounded so confident. We take a big switch, I'm going way out on the limb here, but I'll yes, it Lydia starts Cow. in one day. Starts in one day. I'll eight take hours. Oh wow, they, they got a clock down, a countdown. Yeah, they do. I might Oh man, I hadn't thought about this. So you're making me go off the top of my head. Um, Brooke Good Anderson. Call. Great pick. Great pick. But this is this is very chalky. But all right, so I have Lydia Ko, Madison has yep. Nelly, and you have Brooke. I have Brooke. All right, when Wesley and Grayson make the cut, whoever finishes lowest out of the three ladies, that person has to also do dizzy golf with Madison. Okay. And if it's Madison both times, then he has to do mm. it twice. There you have it, folks. Uh, make it. sure to check us out on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to revive the Twitter after Madison kind of left it for, for dead. Ouch. Uh, all at 2-in-1 or 2-in-1 Golf Pod. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs>